Welcome to Dr. Joe Unplugged. This podcast contains general information and is not in any way medical advice. It is a cliche when anybody in the media says I'm doing this because of public request, but in this instance, I'll put my hand on my heart and say, yes, I have been asked to talk about vaping. Now, first off, uh, those those of you who aren't familiar with me and my background, I am the chairman of Australian Tobacco Harm Reduction Association. This is an unpaid role. Not only don't I get paid, it actually costs me time, not doing that to, to complain, but to put it on the table. Uh, I've received not, and I'm saying this, um, I mean, it's a statement of the obvious, but there are people out there who will spread a lot of, um, uh, let's just say lines that are not correct. Um, I've received not one cent, no money from the, uh, tobacco industry or the vaping industry. I also do not get a cent and neither does Atra get a cent from the pharmaceutical industry or the government. All right. In the UK and in New Zealand, to give two examples, they actually encourage people who smoke to switch across to vaping. Why do they do this? Because it has been determined by the UK government. It's not me saying this. This is the UK government saying this. Vaping is at least 95% less harmful than smoking. It's not harmless. If you do not currently smoke, do not take up vaping. But the Cochrane Collaboration, which is the world's largest independent assessor of medical studies and evidence, has found that vaping is the most effective form of quit smoking. Why does it work? It provides nicotine in much the same way, in fact, exactly the same way, that patches and gums and sprays that you can buy without prescription at the supermarket provide nicotine for those who do have a reliance, addiction, whatever term one likes to use, on nicotine, but it provides it in a way without the chemicals that are released by burning or combusting tobacco. Vaping also provides nicotine by heating it in a liquid without burning or combusting tobacco. As I said, if you don't smoke, do not take it up. But if you do smoke, we know that it is, and again, this is not me saying this, the data and evidence is out there, that it is the world's most popular and effective quit smoking method. It's been around for about 20 something years. In New Zealand, in the UK, in the USA, in Canada, in the EU, in Japan, it is uh, supported and to a degree encouraged, probably in the UK more than anywhere else. Australia, unfortunately, is a complete outlier in this uh, situation. And as of January 1, already disastrous and unhelpful laws were made even worse. Um, It is difficult to imagine a worse situation than making it harder for people to give up smoking. Something in the order of 20,000 people in Australia each year die prematurely from smoking-related illness. Now, all of us are going to die one day. It is inevitable. Prematurely means dying perhaps before your otherwise time from an illness that was preventable. And obviously that includes uh, heart disease and a number of forms of cancer. So getting off cigarettes is a really good thing to do. And a lot of people have done that by going cold turkey, by using prescription medications, by going uh, through various quit programs or hypnosis. There's a whole myriad of ways of doing it. But we find that there is still a significant number of people and the national average is around 13% who have continued to smoke. And nobody who uh, hasn't been living under a rock for the last probably 60 years 
uh, doesn't know that smoking is not good for them, but, you know, people still do it. Sadly, tragically probably, something like 40, 4-0 or treble the national average of Indigenous people smoke. In people with mental health problems, that number goes up to 70 to 80%. It's also very high in homeless populations and various other disadvantaged populations, including prison populations. And there may be some overlap in some of those, uh, in some of those groups. Vaping is a successful form of giving up smoking. You can currently go to the supermarket, as I said, and buy patches, gum, sprays containing nicotine. Put it into a liquid and you need to go to a doctor to get a prescription. You don't need a prescription to go to the supermarket or corner store and buy cigarettes. So it is now actually harder to buy the at least 95% less harmful. And again, I really want to emphasize not harmless, but less harmful. And it's not me saying it. This is work done three times by the UK government option. But you can go and buy cigarettes without a prescription. There's this interesting phenomenon called the black market that emerges when there is demand for a product, but it is made illegal. And we are seeing, particularly in Melbourne, but not exclusively, fire bombings as there is turf war in the black market. The reason given by the government for its bad policy is that we had an epidemic of youth vaping. When I last checked, teenagers will experiment with alcohol and with a whole host of substances, and it's not good and we don't want it and we can seek to minimise it. But at this point in the evolution of human beings, we're not going to eliminate it. We don't stop the alcohol industry. We do our best to stop it getting into the hands of teenagers. It's not perfect. ain't perfect, but we do as best we can. That is the model that we can apply to vaping. Sadly, and we're already seeing this, people who have given up smoking, have given up smoking by going to vaping, are now going back to cigarettes because it is easier to do that than to go through the process of trying to find a doctor to prescribe nicotine liquid. Any doctor can, but most don't or won't or don't know how to go about it. And that's not necessarily a criticism of them. It's a criticism of the system. Uh, So it's easier to either A, go and buy cigarettes or B, go to the black market. So this issue of youth vaping, the University of Queensland has done work and found that something in the order of 1.8% of teens are regular vapors as against, I've taken it once or twice and that's it. Uh, But they can sometimes get picked up in the statistics. It was already a requirement from October of 2021 for people to have a prescription to vape. Since that time there's been an increase, as is claimed, in youth vaping. So it was already requirement to get a prescription. It's estimated that 95% of people who vape did not get a prescription. But nonetheless, the government is now making something that was already illegal more illegal. I'm not quite sure how you do that. Ultimately, there will be winners and losers from this move. The losers will be people who have successfully quit smoking. Who may, need, who may find that they go back to smoking. The losers will be people who could benefit from give, going across to vaping. And Australia's smoking rates are stagnant compared to New Zealand, US and UK. There's data that shows that their smoking rates over the last five to six years have fallen faster than ours. And before, these countries had higher rates of smoking than Australia, and now they are lower. And what are they doing that's different to us? They're supporting and enabling vaping as an alternative. The winners will be the black market and criminals. 
How this can be seen as a good thing is a mystery to me. How this can be seen as good health policy is also a mystery to me. Ultimately, what we need is rational policy that is, uh, and there's no need to reinvent the wheel. All that Australia needs to do is adopt the New Zealand model. It's working over there. They are seeing a fall in their smoking rates. They have a controlled distribution system. They have a legal regulated product with, you know, little things like quality control. Not saying there is a zero black market. Black markets exist, but it is minimised. And we see the same in alcohol. There's very, very, very little black market alcohol in Australia because we have a legal regulated market with proper controls and proportionate taxation. None of this is difficult. None of this needs, uh, you know, divine inspiration. None of this is even particularly complicated, isn't it? It's very simple. When 13% of the population and 440% of Indigenous people continue to smoke and we know that there are ways of helping them and we, yes, we know the current methods work for some people, but nothing works for everybody. And we are making it harder in Australia by government policy. We're making it harder for people to quit smoking. We are absolutely failing to do the best that we can. Thanks for listening to Dr. Joe Unplugged. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share. You can also follow it on all the socials. There'll be new content uploaded each week.